fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. Your post-election day, the middle of the week, greatest day of the entire week, man. And boy, do we have so much to break down and talk about today, don't we? Like usual, we have the election from last night. We have a third presidential Republican debate going on later on tonight. And we have all of that to cover, plus so much more. Welcome into it. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations and TV and live streaming and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, it's so wonderful to have you along for the ride. Your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. First and foremost, we have to tell everybody on the grand national scale, calm down a little bit, dude. It's it's okay. Have a, have a zen moment for just a minute, shall we? There's a lot of good that happened last night. Now, not all of the big federal and statewide races that happened last night were good races for the Republican Party. We'll talk about those in just a moment. But overall... I'm very happy, to a degree, with the way things went, and to set us up for a stage of 2024. So welcome into it. Bottom of the hour, we have Richard Lyons on the program, one of our favorite go-tos. He is the author of multiple books, including The DNA of Democracy, also The Shadows of the Acropolis. We'll have him on. We'll break down the elections from last night, also get you set for the debate tonight as well. What type of drinking game are you playing with adult beverages? or tea or others that you'll be enjoying tonight for that presidential debate? Or will you even be watching? With the fact that, again, for the third presidential debate, Donald Trump will not be on that stage, and he's still leading the polls uh, dramatically among Republican candidates, and uh, that uh, margin continues to widen even further with his ongoing battles with litigation. So we'll cover all that and more on the program today. Uh, First and foremost, I would like to remind you that all of the discussion that we're about to have, I want you to keep in the back of your mind and ponder this for just a moment. And it's something that we've talked about on the show In fact, we are the only talk show that I know of in the entire nation, the only person, the only advocate that has brought this idea up nationwide. But as we look at these election results from last night, I want you to consider in the back of your mind state electoral colleges and what that could have done and if that would have affected or changed any of the outcomes from last night at a statewide level. Now, with obviously the big focal point that Democrats had yesterday with abortion issues, that being passed in the state of Ohio, Ohio, man, that was that's always been a purple state. I grew up in Ohio. I spent most of my life in Ohio growing up as a kid and then going to college in Ohio, spending just the last couple of years. Uh, we went back there for about six months or so a couple of years ago for Ohio again. Ohio's always been a very purple state, but it has grown to be more and more of a blue state, largely because of the three major metropolitan cities in the state, which is Cleveland, Columbus and Cincinnati. And as you can see, if you go to the county maps on the election results from last night, the two major issues that were on the ballot last night that protected abortion as a constitutional amendment and legalized marijuana in the state of Ohio, both of those initiatives passed with the passage based on the counties that were approving that were around all of those metropolitan areas. The rural communities did not approve of either one of those. 
And the big city areas did approve of every one of those. In fact, they passed them by a very wide margin overall. Uh, let me see if I can find my election results right here. we go. So Ohio's election, according to the New York Times, the yes vote to establish abortion as a constitutional right ended up passing 56 to 43, 2.1 million votes to 1.6 million votes. And again, if you look at the map, you have a very blue area near the Cleveland area in that northwest corner of Ohio or northeast corner of Ohio. You have the central part of the state near Columbus, Ohio, and then you have that southwestern corner with Cincinnati and in one random blue district uh, that was in that southeastern portion of the state. The same map, almost identical, but maybe a few more counties that kind of sporadically scattered in there, also approved the legalization of marijuana, 57 to 43. Both of those being largely populated areas, both of those being college areas, obviously with Ohio State. Cincinnati has Ohio University and Miami University. Cleveland has a very large uh, college area as well, along with just the large metropolitan and inner city communities there, that it's no wonder why they legalized and approved those types of initiatives. Now, with the Republicans, Republicans are losing their minds today nationwide because this is the focal point that Democrats have done, and they again won major victories, especially on the abortion issue. And they're, they're going crazy. So again, I warn you, I remind you to calm down for a moment. Take a deep breath, and let's analyze this. First and foremost, when we repealed Roe v. Wade at a federal level a couple years ago, that repealed it back down to a statewide level, which means we knew that we were going to have some states that were going to outlaw it and ban it, and we were going to have other states that would approve of it and that would allow it and that would expand it. And some of them have been quite surprising, like here in the state of Kansas, where I'm based out of, that allowed it and continues to be kind of the central hub for abortions in the mid-America region with people coming from all over the region to come to Kansas to have their abortions performed. So we have to remember as conservatives and Republicans that the idea of federalism is playing out and this is the way that it should be. Not that I agree with the decision in the state of Ohio, but that the idea of federalism and that states' rights and that the consequences of freedom and individual liberty and state sovereignty is the fact that some states will make good decisions that we agree with and other states will make bad decisions that we do not agree with. So we have to acknowledge the fact that the process is working the way it's supposed to be working. Now, that being said, let's put into consideration here the idea of a statewide Electoral College. Instead of having a federal electoral college, like we're going to see with a presidential race where popular vote does not matter, we're seeing more and more states that are so divided and so different in their lifestyles and their principles and their values between city living and rural small town living that there's a vast difference. It's, it's essentially like what we saw prior to, world, uh, prior to the Civil War. When there were two completely separate different lifestyles and we did not understand each other because they're so vastly different. The city dwellers have no understanding of how rural communities live with small towns and agricultures and farmers and, and uh, you know cattle ranchers and what, whatnot and vice versa. And now most states have so many big cities that they are dominating the electoral process through the quote-unquote democracy with a majority victory based on constitutional amendments or on statewide races for governor or for congressional uh, for senate seats for example or uh, what attorney generals or whatever else may be going on on that ballot having a statewide electoral college maybe the abortion issue still would have passed in the state maybe the legalization of marijuana still would have passed in the state 
but it may have had at least a little bit more of a fair shake by having rural communities have a little bit more of a voice within those votes. And the reason we need to start doing this is because right now there are large metropolitan cities that continue to gather in population size because as it gets tougher and tougher to live out in the rural communities, most people are moving into the cities, unfortunately, and their votes are being outnumbered 20 to 1. And I think there needs to be a, a serious conversation for many states to have this conversation. I use Kansas as an example with our last governor's race. Our governor won out of 99, or I'm sorry, 105 counties that we have in our state. She won with seven, seven counties. Now, of course, the states that would consider or look at something like an electoral college would be the ones that would be uh, predominantly Republican because Democrats obviously would not want it. In fact, they're trying to get rid of what we have already with an electoral college at a federal level because they want a national popular vote so that way they can never lose an election again. And if we implemented statewide electoral colleges based on the population sizes, because when we implemented the electoral college back in the day, the populations were so small it didn't really matter. It wasn't having as much of an effect. And most individuals even within the city, understood the lifestyles of those that were a little bit different. So now needs to, I think this is a reaffirmation of what we need to start focusing on and working on with elections moving forward. That being said, this also is a reminder for us that fear-based politics are very effective. Now, I will say the positives from last night are that many local communities did very well. Many local, the city councils, the school boards, the county commissions, whatever on, was on your local ballot around the nation, that those elections did very well. And from what I've heard, at least, that Republicans did very well at that local level. Why? Because we're fantastic grassroots campaigners. We know how to knock on doors. We know how to do things at a local level and get that voice out. Here in the Wichita area, which is where I'm from and what I saw last night, we dominated with booting out a one-term mayor that was a severe left-wing Democrat hack. And the three city council seats that were up Republicans won all three of them, which means if my numbers are correct out of our city council seats here in the city of Wichita, there is only one Democrat now on our city council. All the rest are Republicans with a new conservative Republican mayor that's more libertarian. She's not necessarily a Republican, but she's a libertarian candidate that is uh, that the Republicans were backing. Organizations like Americans for Prosperity were backing and helping trying to get her in office. And she dominated in a very blue city like the city of Wichita where she ended up winning by a 20% margin. That's huge. Now, for those that don't know the city of Wichita, because that's where I'm from, so I can say that with you know the most amount of understanding, is that the city of Wichita is a very blue area even within a red state of Kansas. And this is the swing district, Sedgwick County, that is the county within the city of Wichita that uh, oversees the city of Wichita. That was the swing county that our Democrat governor ended up winning in the latest governor's election. If it would have went red, we would have a Republican governor right now. This is the county that make or break Republicans or Democrats in many elections, and it went 20 points against the Democrat mayor. That means that either one, we're damn good at grassroots campaigning, or number two, there's starting to become a pendulum swing at a local level 
where people are a little concerned of the policies happening at a local level across the nation. City of Dallas, we had a mayor that ended up converting to Republican because they didn't like the policies that Democrats were doing, which is why they saw a near 75% increase in crime over the past year or so, and they wanted more law enforcement to have influence in their community because they realized the travesties that Democrats were doing with defund law enforcement and uh, trying to get criminals out of prison as much as possible and trying to do all these other ridiculous things that were not helping the community. There's an awakening at that point. So things are working, and Republicans are winning. Now, we didn't win all the races last night, obviously. And the abortion issue is something that Democrats love to hold on to because they're all about the social issues. This was from the state of Ohio last night. And abortion access is the law of the land in Ohio. and put Ohioans back in charge of their decisions about pregnancy and abortion. Together, we successfully enshrined the right to reproductive freedom into the Ohio Constitution. All right, so that was the vote, the big vote that they had for the abortion. And I would like to remind you that fear-based politics work. Because how are they able to win over so many people on abortion issues? Is the fear that they spread about Republicans, how they want to take away individual sovereignty. They want to take away individual rights. They want to take away the ability for you to make decisions for your own body. It's the negative, it's the fear-based, and that's what won them the election, which should be, a for the positive side, the, the bright side of me, you know, the, the eternal optimist that I am, reminds me to think, wow, these individuals are focused on individual rights. They're individual sovereignty-minded individuals, which means conservatives can win them over. Maybe not on the abortion issue, trying to recognize that there's, you know, the sovereignty of something else that's involved in the conversation, but we can win them over. But the fear-based politics won in that scenario that Republicans are coming to get you, they're coming to take away your rights, they're coming to tell you what to do with yourself, and that's how they won. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. So post-election today, we have the Democrats doing what they do best, which is trying to set a tone for the 2024 presidential elections, causing the fear into the MAGA community because of how many Democrats won across the nation last night on a statewide grander scale. And of course, the passage of protecting abortion rights in Ohio, the legalization of marijuana, which... I'd like to reiterate that Republicans, if you want to start appealing to the younger generation, that might be one of those issues we have to talk about in a more serious manner, but we won't go down that road today. But Democrats are doing what they do best after an election, which is, of course, saying that now the tone is set and Republicans are fearful and that Republicans are panicked and that the MAGA is crumbling because Democrats were able to secure abortion rights again. When again, this is the way federalism works. This is the way that states' rights work. And some states work well, some states don't. We agree with some, we disagree with some. And the states right now, the state of Ohio, has three major metropolitan areas that dominated the election. The Democrats turned out, and they really uh, stuck it to the rural communities because they feel that they get to abuse what the rest of the people do across the city, or across the state of Ohio. So, uh, again, reaffirms the conversation that we probably should have 
about a statewide electoral college movement. And again, we are the only ones that I know of that have talked about this issue at all because no one else, even when we ask the experts about it, well, we don't know if that's really possible or not. Really? I think that's something that we should be like talking about every day now in every state is how do we implement a statewide electoral college to make elections fair for everyone and protect the voice for everyone? Because right now I don't quite see that happening in most states across the nation. So Democrats are doing what they do best, causing the fear, trying to scare Republicans into the 2024 election, saying that it's already lost and that Republicans just need to give up now. And Republicans are doing the best of what they do, which is after an election, trying to be the backseat drivers and the next day experts by the infighting that we have and the bickering about whose fault it is for the election not going our way, which the latest apparently is now blaming Ronna McDaniel, the chairwoman for the RNC for not supporting the right candidates, not campaigning the best way that we need to for some of these candidates, which I don't know if that's necessarily her fault. What I will say, though, is that we just had a nice, refreshing breath of fresh air a few weeks ago by passing and supporting a new Speaker of the House that no one or not very many people have actually heard of that is ranks deep into the Republican Party that came up as one of the freshmen or relative freshmen in the House of Representatives to be the new Speaker. And to be one of those new, fresh voices within the party, is it time we do that for the RNC as well, going into a 2024 election when it seems like the Republican Party is trying to patch up some of its brokenness and putting duct tape on some places, but at the same time, we're still relatively broken. In the state of Virginia, for example, we had some major races for their statewide legislative seats as the delegation was up in the air. They had a House that was run by the Republicans, a Senate that was run by the Democrats, and we were going to see how to swing in which direction that would swing in the election last night, which we got our answer that went predominantly Democrat as one of those Republican candidates in the state sat down with Fox News to break that down and say again why they feel Republicans lost in those races. I think that Republicans would have done much better in Virginia, if they had focused on the kitchen table issues that Virginians um, across the board care about, things like the Biden failed economy, uh, you know, issues that that really resonate with every voter. And we see this, for example, in Delegate Kim Taylor, who won. She's one of the people that actually helped us flip the House two years ago. She just won re-election, one of the most competitive uh, districts in Virginia that, that the Democrats tried to take back. And, uh, you know, she focused as a businesswoman on the economy, on issues that her constituents care about, and she won. And I think that if Republicans had done that across the board, we would have won more, more seats. Yeah, and we're gonna- I will say that Republicans do tend to sometimes go on the personal attacks as opposed to focus on the issues. And that is a problem that I think we need to revisit a little bit in our campaign tactics. But she's absolutely right. Talking about those household topics, talking about those things at the dinner table. I will say that there was a decent win that was in the state of Virginia. It was close, but it was decent win nonetheless, a congressional seat of a Democrat where apparently there was a sex scandal that came out. That was a doctor or somebody that actually had some adult videos that resurfaced. And that Democrat ended up losing by less than a thousand votes. The Republican did get in there. But man, races in Virginia were pretty wild last night. Lots more coming up here on The Voice of Reason for a Wednesday. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason meets radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is, and it always will be right here 
The voice of reason, truth, reason, common sense, trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener on all of our great radio stations all over the place, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. All right, real quickly before we move on here, as we look at the election recaps, look, the, the big conversation, obviously, at least what the media is telling us, what the Democrats are telling us, because that's what they do best, is trying to instill that fear is the politics of fear that worked in the state of Ohio with that abortion bill making abortion a constitutional right in the state. And it worked. And look, this is an issue that is very controversial, obviously. It's very emotional for a lot of individuals. And while I don't agree with that vote in any way, shape, or form on how they passed it in the state of Ohio, I don't believe it is a constitutionally protected right because it violates the basic conservative principles that we have, the conservative pillars that we use on this show, which is life, liberty, and private property, that... Uh, it's this. Remember, democracy is dirty. That the constitutional republic that we have is a mess, and that's a good thing. When we repealed Roe v. Wade, we allowed states to make their own decisions. Some states have made good decisions, in my opinion. Some states have made bad decisions, in my opinion. And if we want to change that narrative, number one, we have to get past the politics of fear that Democrats have, saying that Republicans are coming to take your rights away and put you back into the 1950s. Like that's <laughs> that's what they do. That's what they like to do. And number two is that we have to have what, like the Virginia state legislative candidate said, is that we need to get back to not only the Republican Party having the conversation, but us as the family unit having the dinner table conversations to educate and prepare our youth of America for the upcoming conversations. I think that Republicans would have done much better in Virginia if they had focused on the kitchen table issues. That I mean, the kitchen table issues are something that now we don't have conversations about at the kitchen table. And maybe the narrative and the mindset of that generation that's that's screaming for abortion uh, would be a little bit different if they understood the issues a little bit better by having those dinner table conversations with the rest of the family. But that's on us. So that's the work that we have to do. Hopefully we can be aware of that. We can now take that into the next uh, uh, generation or the next election even to start having that conversation and start changing that narrative just a little bit. There's always going to be those radicals that are out there that just scream and hoot and holler because that's what they do. The other ones maybe are about conversation. And anyone that's willing to sit down and converse and have a legitimate conversation, guess what? Conservative principles always end up winning. With that, let's go to the phones here, shall we? In our latest in What's Trending. What's trending today? As I want to talk about elections, I want to talk about the debate tonight and so much more of what's going on across the country and around the world. Richard Lyons, I love having him on the program. He is the author of multiple books, including The DNA of Democracy, also Shadows of the Acropolis, <coughs> excuse me, and so much more. Richard, how are you, my friend? Very good, Andy. Great to be with you. Yeah, it's always good to chat with you. You're one of our fun go-tos to talk about all of this. Your, your thoughts on the elections last night. Democrats are hailing it as major victories across the nation largely because of legalizing marijuana in Ohio, abortion protections in Ohio, and then a couple governor's races. But overall, from what I've seen, local races, city councils and school boards, overall went, as far as I'm aware, went relatively well and majoritively to the Republicans. Well, you had a, you had a great insight a minute ago, uh, Andy, when you said at least they're deciding this at the right level of governance, yeah. which is the state level, Right. right? So the state should be deciding these sorts of things. And as, as much as Ohio was empowered to legalize uh, marijuana and to legalize abortion uh, constitutionally, they can repeal that later, but do so as a state. Right. Exactly. Uh, you don't want dictates coming out of Washington that tell people in Utah what to do. Yeah. 
And that's what we've had for a long time. And yeah. again, I don't agree with the policy in Ohio, but right. at the same time, you're right. This it's a it's a messy process, and when states have the right to do that. Now, here's the next thing, and we've I think we're the only ones that have talked about this as a potential issue. But do you think that now, with how populated most states are, that there needs to be a conversation at least about moving a statewide electoral college process implemented? At a state level instead of just a federal level. I mean, Ohio, looking at the numbers in the counties that voted for these issues for abortion and marijuana, that the only places that really voted for it were around the major metropolitan areas, which was Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati, and the surrounding counties. The rest of the state went the other direction. Do you think that largely populated states right now and large cities are dominating the elections at a statewide level? Yeah, I think you're correct, and I think that that is mirrored in so many states now, Andy. Uh, take Illinois, for example. If you take Cook County out of the voting process, it would be a, a thoroughly Republican state. Yeah. If in, if in Wisconsin you took out Milwaukee and Madison, uh, all the farmers are conservative. Yeah. So this, this occurs again and again, and that's, that's quite an idea to uh, have an electoral college in states as well. There, yeah, there seems to be cities are dominant, and cities are dominated by Democratic policies. And they also, this is what's so ironic, and I think you'll agree, uh, the cities are so badly managed <laughs> by Democratic Party policy. Yeah, I mean, horrifically managed. Yeah, uh, They have the worst education systems. They have the worst crime. And yet they keep electing these guys because well, they, they all work money. for the city government. Yeah, and they get all the money. They get all the money. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That's why we see yeah. the mayor of Dallas that ended up changing party affiliation to Republican after seeing their crime rates in Dallas go up 73% within the city over the past couple of years because they're not doing what they're supposed to do. They're not partnering with law enforcement, letting law enforcement do their job. And he openly said, we can't operate like this as an actual city. Uh, the, here in Kansas, where I'm at, we have 105 counties. Our Democrat governor won by winning seven counties in the entire state. I mean, this how is about that? how about that? And here in, in Wichita, where we're at, really one of the largest cities in the entire state, uh, Sedgwick County, the county that uh, that uh, covers over the city of Wichita is predominantly Republican, except for the city of Wichita. But that doesn't mean that we can't win in our election last night. We just saw a one term Democrat mayor get booted out with a libertarian candidate that's more Republican. And all three of our city council seats went Republican as well. So it is possible. We just have to do the groundwork. Well, I think, you know, I think if we just better define the difference between yeah. conservatism and liberalism, or it's progressivism, it's not even liberalism anymore, it's progression to socialism. And if they could just better define what the Republican Party stands for um, in, this, in inner cities, I think they'd, we'd stand a chance of taking these cities back. Do you think there's a leadership problem within the party right now? Because obviously the Republicans do what they do best after losing an election, which is the infighting and trying to pass the blame and point the fingers right now. And the latest is trying to blame uh, Ronna McDaniel, the chairwoman for the RNC, about not campaigning properly uh, with certain candidates around the nation and calling for new leadership and for her to step down. I, I mean, I guess I can see that argument, but at the same time, is that really going to make the difference? But is there a leadership problem right now within the GOP? Well, I, I put it this way in an article I'm trying to get posted now, that the Democratic, we have a real problem in the country, and it's in a very general sense, that the Democratic Party is headstrong and unified monolithically in driving this country 
out of its foundations and into a sort of tyranny called socialism. Mm. While the Republic, so they wanted, they wanted to destroy our country as it was founded, yeah. literally. The Republican Party is busy destroying itself. So where do you go to get uh, an idea of how to oppose the march to socialism? <laughs> I think the Republican Party, as I put forward in this article, needs a designing principle. And that designing principle ought to be to conserve the constitutional foundations of our republic. It's that simple. Yeah. It's everything the Democratic Party is trying to destroy. It's a great so if point. you define yourself as, as that, if that's your designing principle, and everybody in the party stands by it, rather than splintering between, you know, how do we get funding for this? How do we get funding for that? What are our social values? Just go to the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and let that be your foothold and try and save the country. Boy, doesn't that sound nice. The latest poll that I saw within the Republican Party showed that generationally there's a shift in priority of what the Republican Party should focus on is obviously we're we're kind of the the nut and bolt types we're the static uh, the stats type the number crunching type the ones that focus a lot on economic issues but the younger generation say that they're more fo- as republicans say that they're more focused on the social issues wanting to combat the social issues wanting to focus on changing the republicans views on social issues and you're saying that right now neither one of those needs to be necessarily the main focal point let's just preserve our constitution and let things play out the way that they're supposed to Exactly right. And this goes back to what we began with, uh, legalizing uh, marijuana or um, legalizing abortion. Yeah. Let the states do that. that. That's in the Constitution. It's called federalism. Yeah. And it, in federalism, you're supposed to let localities, as you just said, there's a new mayor coming in and three new council members. Let the city be the city under that mayor and those new council members and let the state do what the state's supposed to do. Whereas what we're, what we're fighting against is that you have an administrative state in one city in America that wants to dictate what everybody does, all the way to Honolulu. So, I mean, there's a difference there, and we should be defending the Constitution. Boy, wouldn't that be nice. We're talking with Richard Lyons, author of multiple books, including The DNA of Democracy, The Shadows of the Acropolis, and others as well. You can find his website at richardclyons.com. we got to take a break in just a moment here, but I want to shift gears because the headline that I saw uh, especially on Drudge Report, which is hilarious, but uh, Drudge Report and some of the left-wing media was that the election that last night is going to instill fear into the MAGA community going into presidential elections of 2024 because of where they stand on social issues and how Donald Trump is going to be taking a hit and all of his endorsed back to cronies of the conservative Republican Party are going to be uh, struggling going into next year. That's at a time... When Donald Trump is up near 50 to 60 percent in the Republican polls in the primaries, and he's leading over Joe Biden in five major swing states right now, and that that margin continues to widen. So when we come back, I want to talk about not only the debate that's going on tonight and what we could see from that, but with Donald Trump even not even showing up to the debate, what that means for the Republican Party, what these elections from last night could potentially mean for the 2024 election, and is the Republican movement, quote-unquote, in the Trump MAGA movement, losing momentum. We'll do some of that when we come back here. One more segment left with Richard Lyons. It's The Voice of Reason on a midweek celebration. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. By the way, welcome into it. Great to have you along for the ride. So I have to thank you real quickly. Not only are we seeing massive growth with the radio show and partnerships and our weekend syndicated program and this show that's on multiple stations throughout the week as well, but we're also seeing massive increases in our downloads for the podcast, which is like this show just on a podcast platform. So thank you for that. We love you and appreciate you very much. Uh, Wherever you may be, we're in all 50 states, I think, now with downloads that we've seen. And we don't have radio stations in all 50 states, but we've seen downloads come out of all 50 states, which is awesome. We love you guys. You can always find it at The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier on any of your favorite podcasting sites, uh, like literally any of them, Amazon or TuneIn or Apple Music or iHeart or any of that stuff. You can find The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Subscribe, have it downloaded. You can listen to all the great programs that we have. Even when we record interviews and can't put all of the content on the air, we always give you a special feature that's just the straight, full-on, unedited version of that interview so you can listen to the entire thing because I want you to have the content and the information to be able to move forward and have conversations on your own. So thank you. We love you to death. Appreciate you. And I love seeing the growth of the show each and every day. We're hanging out with Richard Lyons. He is the author of the multiple books and other really cool things on his website, which you can find at richardclyons.com. we got a few minutes left here. And Richard, i, I got to ask, I mean, where are we at right now? The Donald Trump movement shows that we're still seeing wide range of dominance within the Republican primaries. And as we go into a third presidential debate tonight that he won't be at, I'm starting to be curious on how many are still going to be around in the next month or two and what the purpose is still trying to run when Donald Trump is widening his gap of lead in the primaries. He's winning in five of the major swing states right now against Joe Biden, and he continues to dominate within near 50 to 60 percent approval within the Republican Party as a whole. And yet we still have all these other candidates that are trying to run. Like, what, what's the objective here? What are we seeing? Well, I think for Ron DeSantis, who, who by the way, he's a great governor, and he really uh, served his country well yeah. in the Navy. Um, he, this is a national introduction for him. So that I, I think it's laying the foundations for a run in four years from now. Mm-hmm. I think for Nikki Haley, who has worked for Trump before, uh, this is uh, a means of her applying for the job of vice president. As for uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, I think he's he's an outlier. He's a rebel and uh, wants to see what he can do. Yeah. Do you think that's needed? I mean, honestly, I like Ramaswamy. I am a little concerned because sometimes he's almost too smooth and says exactly what I want to hear, yeah. which makes me a little bit concerned. But he's right. the only one other than Trump that has talked about dismantling the IRS, for example, or the Department of Education. And uh, he represents, I think, a younger generation, my generation, that uh, kind of hits on a lot of key movements. And while he's a rebel, I think that's necessary in the GOP right now, isn't it? Well, I think, you know, this touches on what we just talked about before the break, and that is the Republican Party is divided between those persons who just want to manage it and manage how it uh, adapts to Democratic Party changes of government. You know, manage the growth is what it is. And the other half wants to cut it down in size, like Ronald Reagan. Right. But again, Ronald Reagan wanted to just reduce the budgets of the administrative state by five point one four percent and his own party wouldn't let him do it so we we face this trouble with the republican party and what the republican party really needs is to define what it is and what it stands for and there's nothing like defining yourself by your opposition so if the democratic party is trying to go and move into a socialist form of government 
the Republican Party should be opposed to that by doing the opposite. That is very true, and we're seeing that identity crisis play out before us right now as we have Mike Johnson really doing a fantastic job as speaker and seeing these appropriation bills coming out with less money in them. What a wild concept, actually trying to cut some of these budgets. And then we have Mitch McConnell on the Senate leading side for the Republicans fighting it tooth and nail within the Republican ranks. So we're seeing it even amongst our fighting within Congress right now. That is the exact divide. Here you have Mitch McConnell, who just wants to get along, and have the same form of growth in government, which is, you know, the growth every year is is massive. Yeah. And he wants to control the growth. Well, if you're if you keep growing government, eventually it's going to be a despotic socialist tyranny. Yeah. There's supposed to be limited government. That's the basis of our Constitution. And that's the, the that, that was the basis and the foundation of the Republican Party and the conservative movement as well, is having a limited government. It is a necessary evil that we have in society that we need to keep limited, that we need to keep tabs on, and that we need to let the free market reign and kind of do its own thing and work its own problems out. And you're right, a lot of the Republican Party does not go down that road anymore. And we need to fight this identity crisis. It's bloody, it's brutal, but yet it's necessary all at the same time. And I'm seeing some positive movements in that right direction. Richard, we're out of time, my friend. As always, it's always great to have you on the show, my friend. we got to do it again real soon. Okay, Andy, anytime. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. We love it. RichardCLions.com. Go and check out the website. Until then, we're done for today. Enjoy the debate. We'll be on the radio again tomorrow to break it down. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.